Hello world, I'm Sherilyn. I'm Evelyn. And I'm Hannah. This is Tipsy Broad History and let's talk about some badass bitches in history. Tipsy Broad History. Tipsy Broad History. Tipsy Broad History. like a cross between hi and hello <laughs> no it's like wait the whales like in finding nemo hello okay anyways hi guys welcome <laughs> welcome to another episode of tipsy broad history yeah we are here doing the dang thing we are on a lovely sunday evelyn morning. is remote again she is so that's why she's not on camera show but oh let's camera. put her on camera oh so first <laughs> let me show my brand new laptop Beautiful. Doing, doing big things with TBH. Got a brand new laptop. It's a gradient. Yeah, I got it's a Mac. And then World. There's Evelyn. Evelyn, wave hello. <laughs> I love how you can see her arms all. So, um, we do have, and I know the last two episodes we've mentioned, video. We are not doing YouTube anymore. However, we are going to, we're going to post, we're still going to keep up with our shenanigan videos so yeah so just for little fun things there see us on instagram yeah, but instagram, youtube instagram. i think we should maybe we can post the audio to youtube too just so you have that option um but the video won't be there yeah guys so. that's a lot of work man we are we are a three-woman show and that's it and we also are just very busy so we'll get uh, back to it we'll get back to it yeah, yeah. Our millions. <laughs> <laughs> well we're a three-man show and woman woman show, show yeah. and christian and christian this whole setup today was by christian so obviously the audio sounds a lot better right i hope oh speaking of so if you listened to our last episode uh, episode eight dr alexa kennedy we just want to apologize for all of the audio issues that we were having we could not hear all of that until post-production so there was nothing that we could really do to get all of those issues out so i, I cut out what i could but we're sorry, and we hope that you just keep listening to it, because it's an awesome episode. But yeah, it was a really good we episode. Apologize. We're working on it. Yep. We're, we're getting still, there. Yeah, we're getting there. We're learning. We're really learning. <laughs> Audio is hard, guys. <laughs> All right, so any housekeeping things, guys? Are <laughs> 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 we doing it again? <laughs> we have... Hey everyone, I interrupt your listening to let you know that you will not be able to hear Evelyn for the first third of this. We realized that her device was not recording her audio and we don't realize this until about uh, a little ways on. So we'll let you know when she gets added in, but just wanted to pop in here and say that you won't be able to hear her. So keep thanks, keep listening, bye. Yeah, so Evelyn is remote again because she was, uh, her husband tested positive for COVID and she was waiting to get her results and she did get her results today and she is negative. So woo hoo. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Rick, COVID free. Yeah. <laughs> Where is he right now? Where is he quarantining? He is quarantined in the computer room. Oh. Oh. Saturday night. Oh, dang. Yeah. <laughs> Are you quarantining him from the dogs too? I just feel kind of weird saying that out loud. Yeah. But when I went to the doctor this morning, she's like, that's what you're supposed to get. Like, so. Yeah. Very valid in there. Right. 
Well, I didn't quarantine from Christian whenever I had COVID, so yeah, he either. tested positive. Well, not from Christian, from from Jerry. Me. Well, and I didn't quarantine from you either, <laughs> so which we is all why I got, got COVID. <laughs> oh, Lord. I'm so sorry. Sharing is caring. Yeah. Okay, back to the housekeeping. So, uh... <laughs> what the fuck? Oh, Evelyn's negative. Woo! <laughs> um, just some reminders about our local baddie section. Uh, if you segment. Segment. If you have somebody that you want us to cover, please shoot us an email at tipsybroadhistorypodcast at gmail.com, and we would love to cover that. Make Subject sure you- line. Bit? I'm getting on. I'm just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> Subject line, local baddies. Yes. Uh, and I think, and I think that's it. So we have a drink today. We do. We have a drink. Um, so in order for you guys to understand, like, I'm so excited for this drink. This is probably the most excited I, I can't even fucking talk. (laughs) I'm, this is the most excited I am for a drink in TBH history. Like, I am so freaking excited, not because of the drink itself per se, but because of the story behind it. So for, in order for you guys to understand how excited I am, I'm telling you who we're talking about today. And it's Chef Leah Chase, who is the queen of Creole cuisine. Now, she has a restaurant in New Orleans, and it's called Dookie Chase's. And I made a call yesterday. You look at you going above and beyond. Okay. Oh, Kurt. I made a call yesterday because I was looking through their menu, online menu, and I couldn't find their drinks anywhere. So I was like, I wonder if they just don't sell drinks or what's going on with that. So I called them and I spoke with the daughter-in-law of Leah Chase. Hannah. Yes. This is really awesome. (laughs) So I spoke with the daughter-in-law of Leah Chase and I asked her where the drink menu was and she was like, you know what? I I can't find it online either. I'm going to text it to you. <laughs> Are you shitting me right so now? So she texted it to me. I explained that we have a podcast and we were talking about Leah Chase this week. And um she was just really, really kind. It was such a brief conversation. It was pretty much like, yeah, I'll text it to you, like um just explaining the podcast in general. But she was so sweet and kind and just sweet person and like uh it was such a pleasure speaking to her. So this drink is uh, actually a drink that you can get at Dookie Chase's, which is, like I said, Chef Leah's restaurant. It's called Leah's Creole Queen's Crown. And uh, the daughter-in-law did not give me like the actual like measurements of everything. So this is probably a little bit different than what they have at their, their restaurant. But pretty much what it is is Crown Royal, Amaretto, Peach Liqueur, Pine, Pineapple, ginger and lime. So I had to mod it a little bit. I don't have amaretto in it. Um, is this crown apple? Because we don't like crown royal. <laughs> and um, there's no peach liqueur. It's peach juice, pineapple juice. And then I put ginger beer with a little bit of lime in it. That's Yeah, this is pretty cool. Yeah, so try it. Okay, well, cheers. cheers. And then virtual cheers. Virtual Evelyn. cheers with Evelynian. Here we go. All right. Wow. Holy shit. This Isn't is that good? really good, Hannah. Are you going to make a video of this? Yes, like, I'm definitely you? going to make a video of this. Be sure to tag them. Yeah, this I will. amazing. Ooh. Oh, it's freaking 11.30 in the morning. I'm about to get turned. <laughs> Here we go. I put like a little less alcohol in it. And it, of course, it doesn't have the amaretto or the peach liqueur in it. So yeah. it's a little bit less alcohol than what you would get at the actual restaurant. But yeah, that's what we're drinking. We're drinking 
a Leah's Creole Queen's Crown. That you can actually get in her restaurant, her restaurant in NOLA, which first of all, so if you don't know where we live, NOLA is about like a two hour, almost three hour drive, depending on how fast you drive. Uh, I'm not encouraging speeding. But anyways, <laughs> so you, if you are, if you live in Pensacola, you have been to New Orleans 50 bajillion times from either before you turn 21 or you know when you turn 21 in Pensacola, one of the first things you are going to do is go to NOLA. So I'm so glad we are so close to this much history yeah. and that we're going to learn so much about this today. So are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. All right. So I did um, already kind of introduce who we're speaking about today. Uh, that's Chef Leah Chase, the queen of Creole cuisine. Like Sherilyn said, this is a story that's going to resonate a lot with our local listeners, our Pensacolans, if you will. Pretty much everyone other than Sherilyn, since she's from New York. <laughs> wow. Okay. Didn't expect to be called out. Sure. That's fine. I just can't help myself. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Oh, Kurt. Here we go, guys. Not even five minutes in and shots are fired. <laughs> so it was so interesting for... Yeah, keep sip, sipping your drink. <laughs> it was so interesting to like learn about Chef Leah's life, research about her life, because my boyfriend is also a chef, and he is a sushi chef, so it's a whole different world of chefery, chefing, <laughs> chefery. But yeah, so Christian, um, my boyfriend, is a sushi chef, and I, I get that that's a whole different world, but it's just interesting to see, because I'm not immersed in that like chef lifestyle, that chef world constantly, um, so it's just interesting to see that chef mentality from a woman's perspective, and a badass black woman at that, so um, Chef Leah, she was born in Madisonville, Louisiana, so Again, very close to where we're living right now. But when she was 13, her parents were sent her off to New Orleans to study at a Catholic school that was run by black nuns. Now, I mentioned that specifically because... Now, I mentioned that the nuns were black specifically because at the time in Madisonville, there was no opportunity for black students to continue their education past sixth grade. Really? Yeah, they were not accepted into white schools. It was like the the 19, I guess the 1930s at the time. Okay. She, her parents knowing that she couldn't be in Madisonville to get her an education, sent her to New Orleans, which is a bigger city. Um, they have more opportunities for black students to get that education. And she mentioned that it costs about $10 a month for her education. In today's dollar, that's about $187.39, which isn't a lot of money for a full month of education. But you have to understand that her parents were not rich. So her dad made 50 cents a day, which means if he would work every single day, including weekends for a full 30-day month, he would have only made $15 a month. Wow. So $10 taking away from like, and I'm sure he didn't work all 30 days in a month, you know, that's a lot of money. But they prioritized that education for her. And her mother also worked, but I don't know how much she made. So I'm, I'm sure they worked together to get that education for her. But they really taught her that education was important. And that working hard was essential. Now, she graduated by the age of 16. And was expected to work at a sewing factory like her mother and her aunts. <laughs> this bitch over here trying to drink without making sounds. <laughs> I'm trying to. I know. So every time I pick my glass up from the table, it passes right by the mic. And 
I know that you guys can hear some serious ice ASMR going on, so I'm trying to pull myself away and put my hand over the mic anyways. <laughs> I apologize. Also, I'm feeling it. Oh my god. <laughs> There's only an ounce of liquor in there. Like, a typical drink has an ounce and a half. I am the lightest of light. Like, if alcohol was a feather, it would be me. Does that make... What? No? No. I think she's high. She's not fucking drunk. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's silly. Anyways. (laughs) Anyway, so she was expected to work at a sewing factory like her mother and her aunts. And she did for a second. That was her first job. But she said that she could not see herself sitting and sewing all day long. And she said that, quote, my mind was always somewhere else. Yeah. So where do you think her mind was? Um, skiing. Um. Yes, yeah, she was thinking about skiing <laughs> in New Orleans. <laughs> Bitch. Oh, just kidding. Please Her tell mind me. was on food, which obviously, oh. like... Surely, how do you (laughs) literally your mind is on food 24 7 why did you not think about this (laughs) i was just being silly because i know the story do you know the story you don't know know this you know the story i know the very brief so food food yes her mind was on that food did you hear that no did that sound creepy Quite a bit, you mean? (laughs) Quite a bit. Okay. So her mind was on food and the restaurant. And she said her mind was elsewhere. But honestly, when she was speaking about it, like I was watching some interviews, but you could tell like her heart, like her soul was in it. Like, yeah, it was just, uh, you can tell when somebody's about something. And she clearly was. So instead of working at the sewing factory, she decided to become a waitress in the French quarters. Now, I noticed that statement did not floor either one of you, <laughs> which in our modern mind, like, it's not a big deal to get a serving job. Like, right. I've done that. Like, yeah. it's not a hard job to get. The difference was that was that Chef Leah got her waitressing job, I believe it was in th- 1939, and that's about a decade before the civil rights movement started. And in her words, okay. yeah... Yeah, no. So like a a whole decade pretty much before the civil rights movement started. And in her words, it was almost unheard of for a, quote, Creole of color to be working in the French quarters. So for her to get that job was an accomplishment in and of itself. So while she was serving, she learned to love waiting on people and just seeing the joy that the food brought people. She just learned. I think she in addition to loving food and like serving people, she just loved people in general. And she would also be poking around the kitchen and asking the chef all kinds of questions. And the chef would get mad at her because she's like all up in his business. Like, what are you doing? And he's like, get the fuck out of my way. (laughs) Get out of my face. (laughs) So, but she was learning by asking those questions and just being around the kitchen in general. So yeah, that's her like kind of, foot in the door to the restaurant industry getting a business of her own how did she and I don't know if you're going to cover this but did she grow up around food did she grow up cooking does it meant do you are you going to mention that yes okay. um but I'm glad I'll you brought the, the <laughs> <laughs> yeah shut the fuck up Charlotte <laughs> 
the liqueur makes me curious. <laughs> <laughs> no, so she that was a really good question because her family was um they they were poor. However, food was a major part of her lifestyle growing up. And her her dad would try to bring home as much food as possible, obviously, but making 50 cents a day, it wasn't necessarily enough all the time. So they had a strawberry patch and I, I believe some other crops as well. But within that strawberry patch, I guess like wild quail would walk around it just like randomly they're probably like picking at the strawberries or whatever and they would catch these quail and cook it with grits and plum sauce interesting oh because yeah. uh it's, it's cheap yeah, yeah it's cheap. well it's free food pretty That's much because you're hunting it correct and preparing that food she said many times it would be just grits sometimes if they couldn't catch a quail or if they couldn't catch, I think she said also like perch they would have for breakfast sometimes. But it was pretty much, if you can catch it, we're going to have dinner or whatever. So they grew up poor, but food was a major part of the life. And she learned how to make like gumbo and things from her mother-in-law, which we're going to get to. But yes, food was a major part of their life growing up. <laughs> Love me some freaking gumbo. Didn't know what gumbo was till I moved to the South. Didn't even know what grits were till I moved to the South. And I know they ha it's not like these things are non-existent up North, but it's just culturally that's not what's, the, what's most common. And then I moved uh, down South and grits, depending on the grits, they can be really, they can be really good. Uh, Fish House has some amazing Gouda grits. Shout out to Fish House, not sponsored, but also, hey, what's up? And then, <laughs> who, and then gumbo. I haven't found a gumbo that I have truly, truly liked. Like I do my husband's gumbo, my husband's, my, 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 my husband's gumbo, my father-in-law, my dad-in-law. <laughs> Why? That was such an easy, <laughs> I was going to say my husband's dad. And then I said, in my brain, it came out my husband's gumbo, but there's a word for this, Sherilyn. It's called a father-in-law. My father-in-law's gumbo is freaking amazing. But anyways, we out you. What's up, Evelyn? Okay, so for those people that don't know what gumbo and grits are, do you want to elaborate on what they are? I think you're so, better at gumbo is kind of, it's a stew, and it can be made different ways in terms of what you put in it. So there's the gumbo that I like is a seafood gumbo and it has oysters and crab and shrimp and scallops it's just, and it has okra which makes it nice and slimy which sounds gross but it's actually really good. And then there they do like a, a chicken and sausage gumbo for people that you know don't like seafood and it's a... <laughs> oh yeah, Evelyn doesn't like seafood. Yep. I keep forgetting that. And then grits, how do you, how do you explain grit? Um, according to Google <laughs> or Wikipedia, it's porridge made from boiled cornmeal. And a lot of people don't like it because the texture, it is grits, it's gritty, yeah. but you have to have it made right and have like the perfect things in it. That's why I said at Fish House, they have Gouda grits and Gouda grits are freaking amazing because it's like cheesy it's Gouda. and it's Gouda. Everything's better with cheese in it. I mean, come on. Mamas. I don't know if I've been to been to that one. I try is it one of those is it a is that a touristy restaurant or is it one of those like locals? I think so. Okay. Yeah, I don't like grits because of that gritty, like consistency. <laughs> yeah. You just haven't had the right grits. Yeah, love it or you hate it, you know? That's true. Yeah. yeah. 
No in betweens. No in betweens. You gotta get. You gotta like that green. So I said, I said, I said, I said, I said, Okay. I'm done. <laughs> this is normal life. This is normal. I'm just like. I'm okay. Here we go, guys. You expected every episode. I'm warm. I'm sweating. I had my. I'm buzzy. I had my heater on in the house because it's freaking cold in Florida at the moment. And freaking Sherilyn over here, she come into my house and be like, why is the heater on? I'm hot. Making all these demands in my fucking house. Like, the fuck? It's our house, bitch. It's Sherilyn's house, let's be real. Oh, man. I do what I can. Listen, you become friends with me. Your house is my house. Just know. All right. <laughs> Anyways, so <laughs> so we're going to uh, fast forward just a few years to when Chef Leah is 22. She meets a Mr. Edgar Dookie Chase Jr. Oh, I'm sensing that name. That last name sounds familiar. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so uh, Dookie Chase played the trumpet and was a lead in a band, and he was touring since the age of 16. Now, it so happened that Leah was in the audience one day. And Dookie, <laughs> everyone's doing her air claps, her, her new thing. <laughs> so Leah was in the audience one day and Dookie sees her and he like nudges his bandmates like, see that girl over there? I'm going to go dance with that pretty little lady. <laughs> oh, how cute. So within three months of meeting, they were married. Oh, wow. Yeah. Dang. I know, she was 22 and he was 18. I feel like, but again, that's probably normal. Especially back in the day. But I also like, when you know, you know, I guess. When you know, you know. I didn't know. I didn't know. (laughs) I didn't know. Why did you not? Oh, no, no, no. I don't know. (laughs) Now I know. (laughs) But I'm not one to be like, oh, three months, let's get married. (laughs) Who's gonna know? Who's gonna? Okay, I'm trying to relate to our TikTokers. That was like three years ago. TikTok. Man. I don't know. Honestly, I've been watching TikToks through the reels on Instagram, and I'm pretty sure I'm like a million years behind as well. Ooh, tipsy thought. Listeners, should TBH start a TikTok? Okay, continue. We will. (laughs) At at some point. (laughs) We're like these old grandmas on TikTok, like not knowing what we're fucking doing. But oh, speaking of which, TikTok, we're still going on so many rabbit trails. But anyway. Rabbit trail? Yeah, we're going down so many rabbit trails. Isn't it? Okay, first of all, rabbit trails. (laughs) (laughs) Rabbit holes. Rabbit holes? Holes. No, it's rabbit holes. That's the term. Rabbit trail. Hole. It's a rabbit hole. Rabbit highways. What is it? Rabbit holes or rabbit trails? Let us know. Y'all want to fight me on this? I'll throw some hands. Do you want to fight me? Do Do you want to catch these hands? (laughs) I'm so sorry. Anyway, TikTok. uh, I, I talked about my boyfriend earlier. He is like fucking blowing up on TikTok. He has. So he is a serious sushi chef. However, for TikTok, he does like a lot of very. Um. What is she saying? Oh, see, it's rabbit trail. Um, listen, I didn't ask for this kind of attack on my life today. It's called rabbit trails, guys. It's called a rabbit's butthole. Moving on. Moving on. Christian's blowing up on TikTok. 
Yeah, Christian's blowing up on TikTok now. He is a serious sushi chef. However, on it, on TikTok, obviously, like that kind of like boring stuff doesn't work. So he does like a lot of trendy stuff. So if you're trying to see some cool sushi shit, go follow him on TikTok at Kosa Makes Sushi. That's sushi my boyfriend. Shit, <laughs> sushi shit. I'm moving on. Anyway. <laughs> How many hours are we going to talk about TikTok? Oh, uh, you know when on my cackling because I cackle so much, and even when I try to move away from my cackling, I still have to turn down the audio all the way down. All the way down. Edit. We just mute your mic at this point. Yeah, that's true. I don't know why I cackle. Is there an attractive laugh? Yeah, it's How mine. Do you- oh. <laughs> this bitch. Everything about me is attractive. Okay, now we're fucking moving on. Now we're moving on. <laughs> Anyways, so it was really important that she met Dookie and got married to him because Dookie's parents owned a sandwich shop slash tavern. And um, I'm pretty sure at this point they already had named it Dookie Chases because Dookie is a junior. So I'm okay. pretty sure it was named after his dad. It didn't explicitly say this, but that's what I'm like gathering. Um, so after Leah gave birth to her kids and they grew like a little bit older, um, she started volunteering at the restaurant. And once she started volunteering, she started like that chef side of her started popping in and she, (laughs) I just did a shimmy. shimmy. (laughs) Um, and she started wanting to change the look of the restaurant and more importantly, the menu. So like I mentioned earlier, it was a sandwich shop. So it, it was pretty like not a lot of options per se, um, very casual dining. And um, back when she was a waitress in the French quarters, she noticed the decor in the restaurants from the outside. Now, I'm pretty sure she wasn't allowed in those restaurants except for the one that she was working at because of segregation. It didn't, she didn't explicitly come out and say that either. However, at the time, black people and white people weren't allowed to be in the same establishment. So she would see these like restaurants decor from the outside and she um, especially noted the chairs, like fancy looking chairs that they had and she wanted those chairs in her restaurant. So she really liked red and gold and she like started to like get this like fancy tablecloths and her mother-in-law who owned the restaurant had like a little bit of different vibe. She likes pink and blue and then Chef Leo was like, um, well, yeah, that's cute, but it also looks like a baby's room. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was going to think. <laughs> Is this a nursery? So Chef Leo got her way. Okay. <laughs> but it, I mean, she has a beautiful restaurant. So... She has a specific image in mind, this vision for her restaurant. And for the menu, she wanted to incorporate what she learned um, while she was a waitress in the French quarters. And that included shrimp cocktail and lobster thermidor. Just a little bit more fancier foods. Like, I didn't know what lobster thermidor is, so apparently I'm not fancy. (laughs) Oh, I learned about it. (laughs) This is why you are clatchet. And not just Clatchet. Y'all know what Clatchet is? Do you want to explain we, this? Yeah, Clatchet. Did we? I thought we talk, talked about Clatchet before. 
No? Uh, so Clatchet is what I self-proclaim myself as and what many of you listeners will probably do as well. And it's called, it's Classy Ratchet. It's like you have that little bit of class, that little bit of bouge, but you also will put your hands on the floor in Jersey Turnpike if freaking, damn, she finds it one more time. Get low, get low, get low. I mean, come on, some of y'all bounce a little bit. I know you did, don't lie. You we all twerk on walls. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I have several, several times. Okay, what? She's already done it several times today. Okay. <laughs> the problem with introducing these new like fancy foods into the restaurant was that like I mentioned people of color were not allowed in these fancy restaurants in the French quarters so they didn't know what they weren't familiar with these dishes and people told Leah's mother-in-law that Leah's going to ruin your business like they don't want this stuff so chef Leah did take that into consideration she was like okay let's give the people what they want so she started making food that she knew home style cooking now that would include like chicken breast with oyster dressing grits gumbo etc and she learned a lot of of how to make gumbo from her mother-in-law because her mother-in-law apparently was a really really good chef as well and doing switching over from that fancy first idea to this home style cooking worked so it started popping and like, I, I think I already mentioned this before, but, like, she, as a kid, would cook quail and then um, serve it with grits and plum sauce. So, essentially, what she did was mesh her home style of cooking with a fancier atmosphere, and people freaking ate that shit up. Like, literally. Hey, listeners. So, we did not realize that Evelyn's audio was not recording so you may not have heard her in the first chunk of this, and we apologize. We, we apologize, <laughs> but now from here on forward, you should actually be hearing Evelyn. Technical difficulties Technical. that we're working through. <laughs> we we got this, guys. In the time of COVID, we're doing the best that we can. So essentially, what she did was mesh her home style of cooking with like this fancier atmosphere, and people freaking ate that shit up. Like literally ate that shit up. So it went from being Dookie Chase's Tavern to a tablecloth dining experience. And this was very important because people of color in New Orleans at this time didn't have the opportunity to dine at a fancy restaurant um, because of those stupid segregation laws. And so finally, because of Dookie Chase's, they had that experience of getting dressed up and going to a, a fancy place, but also eating food that they loved. So her husband took on more of the accounting role and he handled the cash register while she cooked. And also she would walk through the restaurant and converse with the guests. And the reason why she did this was because she always wanted people to know that they were welcome there. And I think also this kind of reverts back to her waitressing days where she just really enjoyed being with her guests and just seeing the joy that the food brought them. So she continued this, even, even though I'm sure she had to be busy cooking and doing all that, but she made sure to take time to converse with her guests. I feel like that's important. I, I love when I have maybe the chef come out and just like, hey, how is your food? How are things going? And it's like, oh, it's awesome. Thank you. But that usually doesn't happen in just regular chain restaurants. It has to be those um, higher Upscale. end, yeah, yeah. nicer restaurants. It just makes you feel special too. Like they took the time to do that. Yeah. You know they're busy. So question, were all people of color welcome to this restaurant or was it just... Yes, and I'm going to get to that in a second. So we're... 
we're going to, yeah, we're going to get to that in a second. So, um, so she did find joy from seeing her guests enjoying their food and feeling welcome there. And Dougie Chase's was fucking popping. And so fucking <laughs> it's fucking popping. Did they have like jazz music and all that? Like in a, does it say? I don't know. In a, At New Orleans? Yeah. Like in a, in a New Orleans staple restaurant or at least you know the ones closer to the downtown area there's always a jazz band i'm sure there was she didn't say anything about that i didn't read anything about that either but her husband was also in a band like he was he led a band and jazz music was the thing that they did so i would assume so yep doki chases was popping and this pretty much uh was the only place that black celebrities could eat in new orleans again segregation laws but this took me by surprise just a little bit because i understood that back in the 1940s it was still like segregation 1930s 1940s segregation was racism all that was in full swing but for some reason, I thought black celebrities, if you had that celebrity status, that you were treated a little bit better. Like, maybe not as much as the white celebrities, but I just, I can't believe that they wouldn't allow black celebrities into fancy restaurants because they were a celebrity. But apparently, black celebrities were treated as bad as any other black person during that time, which, fuck you guys back in the day. I believe that 100% because Louis Armstrong had his own little show. Uh, he was featuring him, his name was on lights, and he wasn't allowed to go into the building. What? That's crazy. That's fucking mind-blowing to me. I did not know that. I just thought that they were, yes, segregation was a thing, but I thought they are like, oh, but they're a celebrity, so. <sighs> Shitty people back then. Fuck you guys. <laughs> Shitty times. I mean, not <sighs> times have changed maybe ever so slightly, but, yeah, you know. I mean, I think it has changed quite a bit, but there's still ways to go. Yeah. You're right. And because it wasn't that long ago either, so we're still evolving. Yeah, we are. We are evolving as humans. But as a result of black celebrities not being allowed in these fancy restaurants, they would come to Dougie Chase's. And that would include Nat King Cole, Duke Ellington, Quincy Jones, all of these amazing artists um, would die. (laughs) I forget. Evelyn is dying over here. (laughs) (laughs) So, celebrities were not the only people dining at this restaurant. The civil rights movement started, and Chef Leah and her family had the courage to allow black and white activists to dine in their restaurant as well as hold meetings on the second floor of the restaurant to strategize. So, yes, in in answer to your question, they were very welcoming of any person of color uh, or any any it didn't matter what your skin color was they it shows how big of a restaurant they were too like how big of a personnel not personnel but how big they were yes they're they were yeah they they really and and i think i'll mention this later but they said when you were outside of dookie chases it was normal racist america but within dookie chases it did not matter what the color of your skin was but yeah, so the civil rights movement was in full swing and i say courage that Chef Leah and her family allowed them to both white and black activists in their building because at the time it was illegal for black and white people to gather within the same building. So they were risking their business in order to host these activists. And I feel like a lot of times we tend to focus on this podcast as well, just generally speaking, we tend to focus on the people that are in the front lines of like, oh, this activist did this and this and this, and they were the first person to do such and such. But we we kind of forget about 
those who are supporting, playing those supporting roles in allowing meetings to happen in your restaurant, things like that. It's just we kind of forget about those people who are not necessarily on the front lines, but are supporting those who are. That help assist in the process to make things happen. Yes, exactly. And I think that's exactly what Chef Leah and her family was doing with their restaurant, taking on that supporting role of assisting these activists and providing a place of security for them to meet. Okay, this is a good pause segment. I'm so dead <laughs> I am trying so hard. I'm focusing on you so hard, but I just can't. She on the floor again, guys. She um, is on the floor. So moving on without Sherilyn. Stay on the floor again. Oh my lord. Are you going to stay down there for the rest of this? I don't know. I'm comfortable. You may continue Can you, talking. Do you want to chug this? Do I want to chug it? Ooh, ooh, There's ooh. ice. Listeners, it's about to get crazy. It's about to go down, down in an earlier round. Check it where it's going down, singing. How are we not rock stars? I know. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, we're fucking moving on. Fucking <laughs> so, okay, moving on because... But you realize it's not going to get better because I just chugged my drink. I know. Okay. Drink your fucking water, dude. Thanks, ma'am. <laughs> so, like I said, people of all color, if you're white, black, it didn't matter. You were welcome in Dickie Chase's, even though it was against the law. And I thought this was so big of both Chef Leah and her family because it would be so easy for you to build up a wall between yourself and this group of people, namely white people, who have for centuries treated your race unequally, unfairly just disrespected your race, it would have been so easy and understandable for them to be like, no, fuck you, white people, get out of my restaurant. Right. But they didn't, and they welcomed them with open arms, and I, I just have to just point that out. Because I feel like that's braver, and that's so hard to do. Yeah. When you've been the subject of so much negativity, because it's easy to be negative. Yeah. It's easy to throw shade. It's easy to throw hate. And it's easy to throw it back. But to be the bolder person, I mean, that just makes you, that just makes you better. And just be like so kind and welcoming to this group of people, white people that are not respectful to you. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I think that's what makes racists so mad because they expect backlash. But when you get somebody that's like, you know what? (sighs) Whatever. But But I'm going to be the bigger person and welcome you. Yeah. And so Chef Leah did bring up a point that it was easier for black people in New Orleans than black people who lived in, let's say, Mississippi or a state like that um, because of the living situation. So in New Orleans, black people and white people lived in the same neighborhoods and they didn't socialize. And again, there was that segregation where you're not allowed, black people were not allowed in white establishments, but they knew each other because they were neighbors. And so being the in that situation where you have white neighbors, you have black neighbors, it made it a little bit easier for black people within New Orleans. So she said there wasn't as much bloodshed within NOLA compared to other parts of the states, other states in general. And I initially started researching about Chef Leah. I assumed she was kind of a leader in the civil rights movement. It was just interesting to learn that she embraced that kind of supporting role and focused on the food and being kind to people. Sometimes you don't need to be in the forefront. Sometimes you could be just one of those 
silent contributors yeah. to it and that's okay too. Hi guys, we're back. So I had to take a break. And then I got us drinks. We got more drinks. And then got I got full drinks. snacks because I need to sober up. She was like lying on my living room floor <laughs> ta- talking to Christian about nonsense. So I got some carrot cake Oreos that are stale, but they still bite. They're still fine. I don't really care for these, but they work right now. And then I got some Cool Ranch Doritos. Yes, uh, just eat that shit and shh. Okay. <laughs> Mute me so that I can munch. So just finishing up on um, what I was saying before. So <laughs> she said, food connects people, Sherilyn. Mm-hmm. How appropriate <laughs> that you're eating. I'm trying to chew away from the mic. She said, food connects people, and you can talk over anything with people over food. So that was her theory of just bringing people together within her restaurant. White people, black people, she did not care. She wanted everyone to come together over food. So she's won countless awards. Uh, So many celebrities have dined at her restaurant, including Ray Charles, who's actually sang about it in his song Early in the Morning, Uh, Michael Jackson. Wow. Two presidents, just casually, you know. No big deal. No biggie. That's really fucking cool. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. The first being, um, the first president being George W. Bush, who came to the reopening of her restaurant after it was destroyed by Hurricane Katrina in 2005. So here we're going to go on a little bit of a a segue. We do have another president to get to, but we just kind of, I want to take the time to talk about uh, Katrina and the things that kind of happened during that time. Um, during this period when Katrina hit, I would argue that this is probably her kind of all is lost moment because she had put her entire life into Ducky Chases. And not only did she think she was losing her business, but she also thought she was losing a lot of art by black artists. So I didn't mention this before, but she had turned the dining hall of Dookie Chases into sort of a museum. And how this all started was a friend of hers had retired from a board position um, at the Museum of Art. And she nominated Chef Leah for that position. And initially, Chef Leah was like, no, I, I don't know the first thing about art. Like, why are you nominating me? And she's like, no, it's um, her friend was like, you'll learn. It's okay. <laughs> so Chef Leah, being the badass that she is, ended up taking this position on the board and as a result just started studying and learning about good art. And she started collecting beautiful pieces by black artists and started displaying them on the walls in her dining hall. And some people were opposed to this because they're like, it's Why? not a museum. It's a restaurant. What are you doing? It's her fucking restaurant. Exactly. She is like, yeah, okay, it's my restaurant. This is what I'm going to do. And she put the the art up and she would, I guess this was very important, especially at the time, because there were no galleries that would display black artists work. So she provided that for them, a place where people could walk into their restaurant and pretty much walk into a gallery of all these black artists work. And so when Katrina hit, in her mind, everything had been lost. Like all the artwork, her restaurant, everything had been lost. So, but thankfully, most of the art did survive. And so many people came to her aid to rebuild Ducky Chases. And yeah, so. If you guys, for our listeners, if you don't know Hurricane Katrina, I don't know what rock you've been living under, but Hurricane Katrina hit New Orleans in, I believe, 2005. 
and it hit as a category five. Now, if you also don't know, New Orleans is about 23 feet under sea level. So it's, it's prone to flooding. I mean, even the slightest storm, New Orleans will get flooded, you know, in the, in the blink of an eye. So when Hurricane Katrina hit, it was, it was fucking devastating and it took forever for them to get help and it was just well um, it took a couple years to rebuild yes to actually rebuild and it it wasn't quick and so for our people of new orleans you know we we love you but we we feel that heartfeltness from you yeah (laughs) Yeah. we understand we also go through our own hurricanes our own you know our we just had a really major hurricane that came through. Was Hurricane Sally? Yeah, Hurricane Sally September. did some damage. So we understand, too. being in the South, we understand the devastation that can come from a hurricane. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, so um, many people came to her aid. Dookie Chase's was rebuilt, and then she was able to cook for President Bush at the reopening. So that was great. And then second president that she cooked for was President Obama. Fuck yeah. <laughs> and it's so funny because the first time she meets President Obama, she has beef to pick with him. <laughs> like it. she has beef to pick with the president of the United States. And uh, the reason for that was because he put hot sauce in her gumbo oh. before even tasting it. But I mean, you always have to put... Uh, okay, I can see. It. I always put hot sauce in my gumbo <clears throat> before trying it. I just like the kick. Unless hers was naturally has that kick. She... She probably... You don't put hot chip. sauce, ketchup, anything in something that a chef cooks for you. <laughs> <gasps> she was like, but she had like such a cute like little moment because she was interviewed later about that that like moment. She's like, well, he's from Chicago. Mm. What does he know about gumbo? <laughs> That's true. Nothing. <laughs> That's true. That's funny. So, as I said before, Chef Leah didn't cook, didn't just cook in her restaurant. She also walked around the restaurant and spoke with her customers. So one day, this group of people were dining, and she spoke to them and ended up sitting down with them. Uh, because they kept asking her about her life and things like that. And she didn't think too much about it. She talked to them. They dined. They went. and But they came back a second time. And during the second time at her restaurant, they told her that they were from Disney. Wow. And that she was an inspiration for the first black Disney princess, princess in the movie The Princess and the Frog. Now, her reaction to this was... I don't look like a princess. I certainly don't act like one. But she agreed to let that, let her story be a part of the princess and the frog. And if you have been under a rock and haven't seen it yet. Oh, oh, why? This is like the 10th dirtiest look you've given me. Sherilyn hasn't seen The Princess and the Frog I haven't. Yet. I've seen You a, haven't seen Princess no, and the Frog? No, I've seen a lot of Disney exactly. movies, but I, I haven't seen that one yet. And Do you live yet. under the rock you mentioned earlier? <laughs> I think my, my leg is under that rock. Not my whole body, but definitely my leg because I'm behind on a lot of things. So if you're like Sherilyn and have a leg under a rock, (laughs) the movie is set in Louisiana and it follows the basic story of the princess kisses the frog, he turns into a prince. But it has a little twist and I'm not going to ruin it even though you've had about 10 years to watch it. So obviously most of the movie is fictional. Uh, Chef Leah did not kiss a frog, although... During Katrina, she said when she walked back into a restaurant, there were frogs all over the place. <laughs> that's that's freaking, that's hysterical. 
So that there's a little bit of a parallel there, but I did rewatch and the movie, and there's a couple like things. Whoa, that- whoa, 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 whoa! Hold on, my brain just caught up with everything. It's a little behind. I'm sorry. This bitch calling me out for not watching Princess and the Frog when this bitch hasn't even seen. Well, she just watched it for the first time this year. A classic like Hocus Pocus. <laughs> bitch, that's been out for. No, no, no. See, I'm with Hannah. I also haven't watched Spoke, uh, Hocus Pocus. I still haven't watched it. We grew up in a Christian household. Come on, Charlene. You know this. Well, that wasn't you my case, but... <laughs> Moving on! Calling both of these bitches out! <laughs> what else happened? There's Hocus Pocus, and there was another classic movie that I was like, I, how the fuck well, have you seen this? I refused to watch um, High School Musical. Oh my god! I started watching it. Huh? Yeah. What did, what did you what do you refuse to watch? Star Wars. No, I haven't seen Star Wars, but see, no. Here's the thing. Star Wars is like a niche. Okay. That takes <clears throat> that, <laughs> that takes a certain like that's a niche. That's something that you have to specifically like. High school musical is like a fucking fact in for millennials. Like, I don't give a shit if you didn't like it, but you watched it because you were curious. Also, Zach Efron. It was also, it was the only thing on Disney Channel for, like, weeks. For, like, 17,000 years. Like, how did you not? I just, well, I like I said before, I tried to watch it. I really, really tried, but it was just so fucking You don't stupid. have taste. That's all I'm gonna you say. You don't watch it for the experience. You watch it for Zac Efron. Okay, I didn't really like Zac Efron Honestly, back in the day. But no. he's hot now. No, Shit. no, no. Yes, now Zac Efron is good. Have you watched him on the Netflix, um... I think it was like back to the planet or something. It's no. like a really cool ego. You know like- who I watched High School Musical for? Hold on. I'm chomping. I'm so sorry if you're hearing that. Corden Cor- Blue. Corbin Blue. Corbin Blue. Corbin Blue. <laughs> Corbin Blue. Yeah, Corbin. he was really cute. I think Corbin Blue was way cuter than Zac Efron at the time. But yes. Zac Efron. Oh, he cute now. She- he, yeah. <laughs> Hello, you grizzly... Grizzly, grizzly man, you grizzly man with the. All right, where all right, are we? We are moving on to the princess. I don't know if that's gonna make it. It <laughs> might make it. We'll see. We'll see. I'm editing this, so. <laughs> this just in, it made it. Oh, so I did a rewatch and tried to look for some parallels between Chef Leah's life and the film. And in the film, Princess Tiana's mom is a seamstress. And in real life, Chef Leah's mom um, was also, she worked in the, the sewing factory. Uh, Tiana in the movie works as a waitress. And obviously, Chef Leah started there. And in the film, the prince loved jazz and played the ukulele. And Chef Leah's husband was also a musician. He played the trumpet. So there's some some things very minimal, like, that they pulled from her life. But some things. Um also, Princess Tiana worked at Duke's Cafe, but in real life, her restaurant's called Dookie Chase's, so there's a little bit of that. But the f- even though, like, pretty much the facts were pretty minimal of her life in that movie, I think what Disney nailed was Tiana's dad taught her that you can make your dreams come true, but you gotta work for it. And um, that's exactly what Chef Leah's father taught her as well. He said, pray work and do good to others in that order and she followed through um throughout her life really i'm not sure uh if it was her son who was speaking in the interview or just somebody that worked for her um 
But he said that Chef Leah is really tough and she wanted you to be up early and stay late at work and take responsibility for yourself. But at the same time, she was kind, merciful and giving. And another quote and underlying theme of the film uh, was that good food brings people together from all walks of life. And that's exactly what Chef Leah did with Ducky Chases. And... There was some criticisms about the film because Disney kind of portrayed uh, like a stereotypical types of people in Louisiana. Um, And also the fact that it was 2009 before they ever told the story of a black princess. But Chef Leah did not have an issue with that because... She said, first off, you need to be able to laugh at yourself. So like the stereotypes, you got to be able to laugh at that. And secondly, in regards to it being way past due to have a black princess, she said, you don't worry about what went down before. It's progress. And I hope it inspired other little girls. So she's just very positive And I, I don't know. I just really appreciate it. It's so easy to become negative and be like, oh, it's 2009 and you still like now you're going to do a black princess. But yeah. she's like, no, it's progress. We're, we're seeing what we did in the past, but you don't focus on that. You move forward. Because you can't if you're consistently negative, then you don't see towards the future, you know. So I, I understand that. What a great mindset. I know. She's just such a positive, beautiful person in the way that she thought and just so kind and generous. And there's so many things that she did in her lifetime that I didn't really include in today's episode, but um, she helped the first African-American mayor of New Orleans campaign. She helped Ebony Magazine put on their first fashion show. She helped raise money for one of the first hospitals to give staff privileges to black surgeons. So she was just so involved with helping black Americans realize their dreams and just a selfless person in general, just constantly giving. And she did pass away in 2019. um, And pretty much up to the end, she was cooking at Dookie Chase's. Uh, So she like cooked at Dookie Chase's up to the end, pretty much just doing what she does best. And she would often say, we changed the course of America over a bowl of gumbo. So... That was Chef Leah Chase, the queen of Creole cuisine. Woo! <laughs> I love that. Something I wanted to say earlier is I, I, with food, I feel like food is, uh, and this is uh, speaking on in terms of because I, I did grow up in a multicultural household. With uh, multicultural families, I feel like food is such a center point as it is with maybe more American cultures. Food is where everybody gets together. Food is where, you know, you you have the, the gatherings and the more food, the better. And it just, it brings everyone in. Yeah. And that's, I don't know. It's kind of, I know what I want to say in my head, listeners, but I'm beyond tipsy right now. So I'm not articulating it as well. I just know in my household, everything was surrounded by, everything was surrounded with food. The get togethers, the love, the talks, food was always the center point in that. So that's how I grew up as well. And just growing up, kind of, I grew up multicultural, just not only being like growing up in Japan, but like I have a white dad, but also we grew up with like Brazilians, Filipinos, mm-hmm. like just every, so many cultures that have affected my life and food was what brought us together. We all brought our own thing to the table and it's just a beautiful thing. One of my closest friends who is, who is white and she actually has a lot of, 
um, Asian friends. She says she's kind of now she's glad that she was able to experience this, you know, as she's gotten older. But she she gets she says she's kind of envious that she didn't get to grow up with all this uh, food culture and all this food experience, because for her, it was really simple as far as in terms of what they ate for dinner and food for them wasn't a gathering point. It was just like, all right, you know, you cook the food, whatever you go your own way. And that was kind of cool to hear because I didn't realize that for myself growing up. And she's just like, yeah, like this is for her. It was a whole new world when she um, became friends with a bunch of different types of ethnicities. So definitely culture shock. I mean, also grew up around food. My mom always cooked. We always sat around the table and ate and talked about our day or whatever. But it was a culture shock whenever I started dating my husband and we would have dinner. It would be the mom would cook food. Maybe they would mostly do takeout and um, or takeaways. I found out that other countries have call it. Just wanted to throw that in there, but it's a culture shock because they would just have it at the table. They would grab it and, like you said, they would take it to their rooms or something. So, well, thank um, you so much, yeah, Anna, for doing that. Oh, thank you um, for listening, to everyone. For well, I don't not have a you. Choice, oh. just like, <laughs> shit. <laughs> I meant to. I was talking to you guys, but also the listeners for tuning in, and I also kind of want to shout out the chases the chases mm-hmm. i guess because um thank you for just like taking the time I'm, I'm going to reach out to you i guess i'll send you a text and i'm not saying your <laughs> name because i didn't get permission to say it in the podcast but i will reach out and let you know when this airs and i really really hope that i did your mother-in-law your mother justice and i really really respect everything that she did throughout her life, not just the cooking, but just like lifting other black people up in their, their various, whether it be a fashion show, whether it was the mayor, like black artists, it was just everything that she did was incredible. And I'm so respectful of that. I I really hope that came through. I, I hope the story was told well, and I'm so nervous for you to listen to this. If you do, (laughs) we apologize for the profanities. I'm sorry. This is us, but this is just us. Yes. Thank you so much. And yeah. Yeah, well, thank you guys for listening. We will be back next week with another installment of Badass Black Women in History for Black History Month. If you want to check us out, you can check us out on Instagram at Tipsy Brown History Podcast. You can find us on Twitter, even though we barely use it, at Tipsy BH Podcast. We are on YouTube. We don't use it that much anymore, but you can check out some of our old videos, old videos and some audio at... I mean, you just type in Tipsy Broad History Podcast. <laughs> and then last but not least, you can send us an email for not only our local baddies with the subject line local baddies, but send us any email that, I don't know, some recommendations telling us that we need to get more turnt. Yo, send us some drink recommendations. We would Ooh, love to cover some yes. drinks. That would be awesome. And you can email us at tipsybroadhistorypodcast at gmail.com. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Catch us next week. Okay. Uh, Bye. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Okay, we're done. This is a podcast created by responsible of drinking age adults. Please drink responsibly. You must be over the age of 21 and do not drink and drive. Your tipsy broad history hosts all live in the same neighborhood and were able to simply walk home after our recording.